0: part 3 chapter 29 of if all these young men by romer wilson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part 3 berkshire chapter 29 warning fires how do you do sebastian said mrs sharp as sebastian came down the stairs into the hall i am very well thank you he said walking up to where she sat at the table how are you mrs sharp i have not been very well lately i am sorry to say she replied i am so pleased to see you won't you sit down you must excuse us beginning without you you are looking very well sebastian sat down at mrs sharp's left hand opposite josephine he did not look well he was very pale and had no life in him and he felt that in order to keep himself in his chair he must fold his hands and rest them upon the edge of the table he sat as upright as he could and stared at josephine his eyes were bright because he had been thinking of her while he dressed and now they were fixed and dark and bright because he could not take his gaze off this extraordinary new josephine who was opposite to him something mysterious had happened to her she was gay instead of sombre and with her long-coloured dress and curly hair seemed to have come out of an eclipse he was as fascinated as if he were looking at the other side of the moon but he could not tell why He felt that if he stared at her intently enough he could trust himself to let go of the table it is nice to see you again dear sebastian said charlotte very cordially as she opened her napkin and all the others repeated what a pleasure it was to have him amongst them they are all saying nice things to you sebastian said everett sit up and take notice poor lad he is tired said susan pass him the claret said chloe i am sure you must want sustaining after your journey sebastian in that suffocating train said horatia i have been rather overworked lately he answered them all and then as he was too tired to speak he laughed he resumed his stare at josephine he could not tell whether she were the same girl he knew in london or not she seemed as if she did not care a fig for unhappiness poor dear said mrs sharp as she looked over the edge of the soup tureen to see how she was serving the soup but sebastian did not gather that the remark was intended to apply to himself susan asked him if he had been to any theatres lately and drawing himself up and bending slightly forward he said with an effort i went to boris gudnoff on monday i hear you and josephine have been to hampstead heath together said everett to his relief and partly to his amazement as if he were witnessing extraordinary courage josephine replied there now everett would it have been better if we had gone to st paul's cathedral what to be married cried everett and added in a cockney accent now now sebastian i can't have these sort of goings on it isn't nice dear mrs sharp laughed ceremoniously and said i remember when i was young nursery maids and soldiers in those funny red coats were the only people beside costermongers who ever went on the heath at least one was led to suppose so oh mom do tell us about it said everett and let out a long string of laughter as she glanced from josephine to sebastian but she was unable to touch either of them to-night i cannot tell you very much about it my dear i am afraid as i never went on the heath in those days continued mrs sharp who seemed ready if she were encouraged to be reminiscent josephine did not care what the conversation was to-night any conversation amounted only to a few flat sounds in the middle octaves of human hearing and was inaudible to the gods she looked at Sebastian and thought he seemed poetical to-night, like the really pale, earth-forsaken poet of the theatre. His face and hands were white, his clothes and eyes black, and in her mind he represented exactly that lyrical creature which men of action think a poet. All the man of action in her became romantic about him, and recollecting Hamlet and other pale men in black, she turned to Mrs. Sharp and said, "'I suppose that Irving and the Terrys were the great people in those days?' well my dear said mrs sharp who was always glad to talk about the past i remember when ellen terry was married to watts the painter she was only sixteen married to watts in the tate gallery cried susan no not in the tate gallery my dear but i am sure she must have found it quite as dull for though i dare say he was a charming man watts was a great many years older than she was and his house was always full of people of the age of alfred lord tennyson and other important people whom it would only bore you to mention i remember hearing a very amusing story about ellen terry but of course i do not know if it was true josephine smiled at mrs sharp in a leisurely polite manner because to be grand-mannered and leisurely was her only escape from the confusion of sebastian's stare go on mamma said susan and mrs sharp graciously recounted the episode what a charming story mamma said chloe where did you get it from i don't know my dear replied mrs sharp who was feeling cheerful among guests one hears a great many stories in one's life let me help you to some more fish sebastian i am afraid this is very wartime fair when mrs sharp had finished her story josephine laughed and saw with her mind's eye the whole scene enacted as if she were looking into a camera obscura after this mrs sharp was led to narrate stories about ellen terry and henry irving max Beerbohm, rossetti du maurier and a dozen others until the people at the table in their ugly simple early twentieth-century clothes began to feel as if they belonged to that splendid past and were themselves huge handsome women of pseudo grecian proportions with frizzled fringes and corset moulded torsos gradually the young people added out of hearsay to mrs sharp's recollections until they lost the sense of the present and visited a number of dead historic haunts but whether josephine attended evening parties in cremorne gardens or was present when rossetti found his wombat or bierbaum met browning at the seville it was all the same a pale young man accompanied her with his bright dark staring eyes soon the austerity of the present forced itself upon josephine and she thought the only thing for creation to do with all that flowering was to crop it off and it has cropped it she went away in a dream to think out her thought and for a minute sebastian's eyes stared upon the void dolly wordsworth cried susan and josephine came back to sebastian's gaze nobody at the table knew that he was staring at her they thought he was exhausted by overwork there is some kind of heroism about sebastian's overwork thought josephine especially as he don't care for humanity and at the same time she said to susan they used to walk by the bristol channel on starry nights who did asked susan wordsworth and dolly and s t c who is s t c said chloe samuel taylor coleridge said josephine smiling because it seemed that to smile and talk was the only thing to do with sebastian there mrs coleridge thought they were all mad because they used to go on about nature together did they said susan as if she were bored intimations of immortality yes said susan looking into sebastian's face wordsworth was on the right track susan said church and state in the scarlet bosom of which wordsworth seemed to her to repose like lazarus people only invented immortality because they didn't want to die josephine's heart quickened she looked at sebastian and it sprang a little and in the dark country behind her eyes a small beacon-light appeared sebastian sighed raised his wine-glass to his lips and looked away have you read peter bell said josephine nearly blushing that is one of my favourite poems it's absolutely perfect in parts we are seven cried susan provokingly josephine sighed she wanted to weep over susan's perversity i like some of the sonnets said chloe i was just going to say remarked everett what price The world is too much with us josephine said yes and smiled she was conscious that under everett's queer talk there were more current emotions than under the language of any of the other sharps she smiled again and as she did so looked warily from everett to sebastian as if there was an irresistible danger in his eyes her heart leaped up again and upon a distant hill in the darkness of the beyond another light appeared and before she could turn away two more lit up like stars she sat straighter in her chair as if she had received warning from heaven that to her was to be given an assurance of man's divinity she looked bravely all round her and in charlotte's face alone met a glance that seemed to mean i know i know i am feeling very much afraid for poor everett it was no use to josephine she barely understood it it seemed to her only a reminder of the all-watchfulness of fate but fate was an outworn goddess for josephine sometimes i think wordsworth is the greatest poet she said nobody paid any attention to her remark and to her amazement each member of the family drooped her head one after the other as if a cloud were passing over them josephine watched the shadow come and go and as their heads were raised again she saw it was only one of those moments when people who love each other feel suddenly in sympathy and perceive that they were quite unconscious of it suddenly it seemed wicked to her to look at sebastian as she had just done but now she was quite unable to resist glancing at him again and as their eyes met they caught spark after spark from one another until it began to be light in their hearts josephine laughed and had a great desire to burst out into talk but she only said at last we have conquered greece what do you mean josephine cried susan why these days make the glory that was greece look a bit like moonshine charlotte sat up greece was very dear to her she preserved her hopes and ideals in it as if it were pandora's box sometimes i go crazy with excitement over the look of life went on josephine i think i know what you mean answered horatia when you think of it for a moment things are odd said everett things are so odd susan ejaculated i simply don't believe in them i feel said josephine conscious that at last sebastian was listening to the sound of her voice even if he did not hear what she was saying i feel as if we had at last got ourselves quit of those damnable greeks and i am glad oh yes i am glad we are going to have a near shave soon man is going to decide his destiny whether really to be josephine paused because she felt shy as if an angel were hovering somewhere in the room to be what asked sebastian suddenly she looked him straight in the face sons of god she answered and then became confused or what said chloe to fall into decay like leaf mould. it doesn't matter anyway said susan let us go out let us go out into the garden-room said josephine looking round helplessly at all the sharps mrs sharp had risen and was sitting on her chair beside a little fire that burned in the grate yes let us said horatia i don't think i will come out my dears i am rather chilly said mrs sharp as the others all rose but josephine sat still a moment longer this is fearfully interesting let us take our coffee out said chloe do go on josephine josephine got up at last swift thoughts were coming to her and many a daring exposition of ideas that she had never had before there was an ebbing and a flowing in her heart and a wild clear excitement in her mind She lingered last because she knew sebastian wanted her to do so she wondered if he would touch her as they went through the door he did not but she herself suddenly started turned her head and taking up an attitude of fear and questioning looked up at him in a second her fear passed without either of them having noticed it and they followed the others out into the garden room chapter twenty nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine